The Eighth Amendment to the United States Constitution prohibits the federal government from imposing excessive bail, excessive fines, or cruel and unusual punishments. This amendment was adopted on December 15, 1791, along with the rest of the United States Bill of Rights. The amendment serves as a limitation upon the federal government to impose unduly harsh penalties on criminal defendants before and after a conviction. This limitation applies equally to the price for obtaining pretrial release and the punishment for crime after conviction. The phrases in this amendment originated in the English Bill of Rights of 1689. The prohibition against cruel and unusual punishments has led courts to hold that the Constitution totally prohibits certain kinds of punishment, such as drawing and quartering. Under the Cruel and Unusual Punishment Clause, the Supreme Court has struck down the application of capital punishment in some instances, but capital punishment is still permitted in some cases where the defendant is convicted of murder. The Supreme Court has held that the Excessive Fines Clause prohibits fines that are so grossly excessive as to amount to a deprivation of property without due process of law. The Court struck down a fine as excessive for the first time in United States v. Bajikajian, 1998. Under the Excessive Bail Clause, the Supreme Court has held that the federal government cannot set bail at a figure higher than is reasonably calculated to ensure the defendant's appearance at trial. The Supreme Court has ruled that the Cruel and Unusual Punishment Clause applies to the states as well as to the federal government, but the Excessive Bail Clause has not been applied to the states. On February 20, 2019, the Supreme Court ruled unanimously in Timms v. Indiana that the Excessive Fines Clause also applies to the states. Text. Excessive bail shall not be required nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. Background and General Aspects Background The Eighth Amendment was adopted, as part of the Bill of Rights, in 1791. It is almost identical to a provision in the English Bill of Rights of 1689, in which Parliament declared, as their ancestors in like cases have usually done, that excessive bail ought not to be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. The provision was largely inspired by the case in England of Titus Oates who, after the ascension of King James II in 1685, was tried for multiple acts of perjury that had led to executions of many people Oates had wrongly accused. Oates was sentenced to imprisonment, including an annual ordeal of being taken out for two days pillory plus one day of whipping while tied to a moving cart. The Oates case eventually became a topic of the U.S. Supreme Court's Eighth Amendment jurisprudence. The punishment of Oates involved ordinary penalties collectively imposed in a barbaric, excessive and bizarre manner. The reason why the judges in Oates' perjury case were not allowed to impose the death penalty, unlike in the cases of those whom Oates had falsely accused, may be because such a punishment would have deterred even honest witnesses from testifying in later cases. England's Declaration Against Cruel and Unusual Punishments was approved by Parliament in February 1689, and was read to King William III and his wife Queen Mary II on the following day. Members of Parliament then explained in August 1689 that the Commons had a particular regard, when that declaration was first made to punishments like the one that had been inflicted by the King's Bench against Titus Oates. Parliament then enacted the English Bill of Rights into law in December 1689. Members of Parliament characterized the punishment in the Oates case as not just barbarous and inhuman but also extravagant and exorbitant. There is some scholarly dispute about whom the clause intended to limit. In England, the Cruel and Unusual Punishments Clause may have been a limitation on the discretion of judges, requiring them to adhere to precedent. According to the Great Treatise of the 1760s by William Blackstone entitled Commentaries on the Laws of England. However unlimited the power of the court may seem, it is far from being wholly arbitrary, but its discretion is regulated by law. For the Bill of Rights has particularly declared that excessive fines ought not to be imposed, 
nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted, which had a retrospect to some unprecedented proceedings in the Court of King's Bench, in the reign of King James II, Virginia adopted this provision of the English Bill of Rights in the Virginia Declaration of Rights of 1776, and the Virginia Convention that ratified the U.S. Constitution recommended in 1788 that this language also be included in the Constitution. Virginians such as George Mason and Patrick Henry wanted to ensure this restriction would also be applied as a limitation on Congress. Mason warned that, otherwise, Congress may inflict unusual and severe punishments. Henry emphasized that Congress should not be allowed to depart from precedent. What has distinguished our ancestors? That they would not admit of tortures, or cruel and barbarous punishment. But Congress may introduce the practice of the civil law, in preference to that of the common law. They may introduce the practice of France, Spain, and Germany. Ultimately, Henry and Mason prevailed, and the Eighth Amendment was adopted. James Madison changed Audichal, when he proposed the amendment to Congress in 1789. General Aspects In Coker v. Georgia, 1977, it was decided that Eighth Amendment judgments should not be, or appear to be, merely the subjective views of individual justices, judgments should be informed by objective factors to the maximum possible extent. In Timms v. Indiana, 2019, the Supreme Court stated that the excessive bail clause, the excessive fines clause and the cruel and unusual punishment clause together form a shield against abuses stemming from the government's punitive or criminal law enforcement authority. Excessive Bail In England, Sheriffs originally determined whether to grant bail to criminal suspects. Since they tended to abuse their power, Parliament passed a statute in 1275 whereby bailable and non-bailable offences were defined. The King's judges often subverted the provisions of the law. It was held that an individual may be held without bail upon the sovereign's command. Eventually, the Petition of Right of 1628 argued that the King did not have such authority. Later, technicalities in the law were exploited to keep the accused imprisoned without bail even where the offences were bailable. Such loopholes were for the most part closed by the Habeas Corpus Act 1679. Thereafter, judges were compelled to set bail, but they often required impracticable amounts. Finally, the English Bill of Rights, 1689, held that excessive bail ought not to be required. However, the English Bill of Rights did not determine the distinction between bailable and non-bailable offenses. Thus, the Eighth Amendment has been interpreted to mean that bail may be denied if the charges are sufficiently serious. The Supreme Court has also permitted preventive detention without bail. In United States v. Salerno, 1987, the Supreme Court held that the only limitation imposed by the excessive bail clause is that the government's proposed conditions of release or detention not be excessive in light of the perceived evil. In Stack v. Boyle, 1951, the Supreme Court declared that a bail amount is excessive under the Eighth Amendment if it were a figure higher than is reasonably calculated to ensure the defendant's appearance at trial. The incorporation status of the excessive bail clause is unclear. In Shelb v. Quebel, 1971, the court stated in dicta, bail, of course, is basic to our system of law, and the Eighth Amendment's proscription of excessive bail has been assumed to have application to the states through the Fourteenth Amendment. In McDonald v. City of Chicago, 2010, the right against excessive bail was included in a footnote listing incorporated rights. Excessive Fines Waters Pierce Oil Company v. Texas In Waters Pierce Oil Company v. Texas, 1909, the Supreme Court held that excessive fines are those that are so grossly excessive as to amount to a deprivation of property without due process of law. The court wrote in its syllabus. The fixing of punishment for crime and penalties for unlawful acts is within the police power of the state, and this court cannot interfere with state legislation in fixing fines, or judicial action in imposing them, 
unless so grossly excessive as to amount to deprivation of property without due process of law. Where a state antitrust law fixed penalties at $5,000 a day, and, after verdict of guilty for over 300 days, a defendant corporation was fined over $1,600,000, this court will not hold that the fine is so excessive as to amount to deprivation of property without due process of law where it appears that the business was extensive and profitable during the period of violation, and that the corporation has over $40 million of assets and has declared dividends amounting to several hundred percent. The court further stated in its opinion. It is contended that the fines imposed are so excessive as to constitute a taking of the defendant's property without due process of law. It is not contended in this connection that the prohibition of the Eighth Amendment to the federal constitution against excessive fines operates to control the legislation of the states. The fixing of punishment for crime or penalties for unlawful acts against its laws is within the police power of the state. We can only interfere with such legislation and judicial action of the states enforcing it if the fines imposed are so grossly excessive as to amount to a deprivation of property without due process of law. In essence, the government must not be able to confiscate such a large amount of property without following an established set of rules created by the legislature. Browning Ferris v. Kelco. In Browning Ferris Industries of Vermont Incorporated v. Kelco Disposal Incorporated, 1989, the Supreme Court ruled that the excessive fines clause does not apply when the government neither has prosecuted the action nor has any right to receive a share of the damages awarded. While punitive damages in civil cases are not covered by the excessive fines clause, such damages were held to be covered by the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment, notably in State Farm Mutual Automobile Insurance Company v. Campbell, 2003. Austin v. United States. In Austin v. United States, 1993, the Supreme Court ruled that the excessive fines clause does apply to civil asset forfeiture actions taken by the federal government. In the specific case, the government seizure of the petitioner's auto body shop on the basis of one charge of drug possession for which he had served seven years in prison. The text of this podcast is sourced from the Wikipedia Foundation under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The written text has been altered for voice presentation. To view the modified and original text versions visit thelegalpages.com. The content of this podcast is presented for informational purposes only, and is not intended to be legal or professional advice. The Wikipedia Foundation is not affiliated with this podcast.